Also, let, just sidebar, not everybody can be from the hood, okay? <laughs> Let's just claim that now. They'll have you convinced that they are from the darkest of the darkest corners yeah. of America. <laughs> then you meet their parents and you hear about their 401ks yes. and their gated and their communities, trust their trust funds, and it's like, why are we trying so hard to build to this narrative? There. Yes. You're not from there. You're not, and you're not adding any toughness, skills, right. or badges to your player archetype. You guys, I've never seen like chilling to that level before. You, you know, you are what you do. You are, uh -huh. you know, you turn into a crumb on the couch. Yeah, it's it ridiculous. It's not easy to win in the Big Ten a game. No, but to win, you know, the Big Ten championship and the national championship. Uh, that, that stuff doesn't happen on accident. No, it doesn't. By any stretch of the imagination. No, it doesn't. Um, it happens when you cheat. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll be done. I'm done. College football tees, college basketball tees, whatever you need, Mercury has you covered with the best merch out there. We're talking about high-quality clothing, inexpensive, and the best part is I have a 15% discount for everybody who goes and gets some right now. Use the code below, hit the link in the description, and go get your merch now. Use the code to get 15% off. What are you waiting on? Go do it. Welcome back oh. to another episode of The Lion's Den. I'm thrilled today, and I'm thrilled because I'm joined by... The one that they call Nick Dawkins, a guy that I'm very close with. We're throwing it back to the retro 2020 days when we first started talking about podcasting together. Hawk and Doc revitalized today. Nick, how are you doing? I'm good, man. It feels good to be on the Dawg and Hawk show and like Hawk and Doc. Not the Dog and Hawk show and you know, <laughs> this this opportunity to just chop it up, chop, talk shop with Aeneas one on one is something I've been looking forward for a long time. It's a dynamic that we played into a little bit on the full show, but to have a full episode cater to just banter back and forth with Aeneas Hawkins is something I've, that I've been patiently waiting for on camera. It's a special opportunity. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit worried about it because as of late, you know, there's a trend where I think people are realizing that you are dominating some of these verbal altercations. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not going to be dominated today. I've made that decision. I drove in from Philadelphia and I decided I'm not going to let Nick Dawkins out banter me, which is a heck of a challenge. Um, there was a time where, believe it or not, I dominated every one of these altercations. When Nick was a young football player coming into Penn State, uh, you know, actually, some would say I'm the reason that dog's banter level has surpassed uh, where it once was before. What would you say about that? I mean, you have to ask me the question. You probably don't know. You're unsure. That's why you're asking me the question. <laughs> my progression and my potential was sure to surpass you. And you saw that, <laughs> and you attached yourself to me like a parasite. Okay. And now you here, here you are again trying to claim it again. Right. And it's actually getting quite disappointing and sad. But I won't even address that. I, I'll only I'll, I'll be the bigger man as per usual, and I'll pay homage <laughs> to Aeneas, you know, for his contributions to my development as uh, I wouldn't say a man. Um, that wouldn't be doing myself and people, my role models justice. But as a, a comedian, as a as a jokester and a clown, I think he's helped me wow. grow into that role, and I, I have nothing but the appreciation for the natural creativity that blooms in Aeneas's mind. This but, is this is what Doc does. Doc will dominate the camera and the microphone for 37 seconds in a row to make it seem like he was the winner of the discussion. And I'm tired of it, but you know, we're going to get back to the first topic of uh, the Hawk and Doc show, the Hawk and Hawk show which yeah. is the Hawk and Doc show, which <laughs> is going to be the off season. Okay. Yeah. You got a little bit of a break after the bowl game. We missed you on last week's episode. So mm -hmm. tell the people what Nick Dawkins has been up to uh, and what they can look forward to in the future. Yeah. I mean, besides saving the world and saving this community from various low, low level crimes, um, I mean, I just been grinding and like, that's an easy cop out answer, just grinding. But that truly is what I am. I've, I really immersed myself into the process. So let me pause you there. Cause I've got a theory that people who, when I, when I ask what they're up to and one of the first things they tell me is that they're just grinding, that really most of those people have not actually just been grinding. So okay. that's question one. Do you mean what you're saying right now? Have you been locked in? Like I said, I, I've also been saving the community from okay. multiple <laughs> low-level crimes. Okay. I've said that beforehand, but let me, so I haven't really just been grinding. I've also been doing that. I've also been doing that too. So okay. yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've been um, working. I've been working out. Obviously, um, that's where we start. We start back. We get right to it. Um, got like a week or two off after um, after the Peach Bowl, um, and uh, I really um, and everyone has this. I think you know this too. Every athlete, like right after a season. You get in that mode like, I must be better. You're watching David Goggins' yep. videos. You're watching Jocko Winlick. And that's when you have nothing to do, and it's easy. Yep. So now when the body hurts a little more, 
and it's getting a little tougher, uh, that's when some guys are like, all right, back to my old ways. But yeah. my focus for this year, especially, you know, coming back from my fifth year, um, and I, I'm blessed that I have like Tyler Ellison to hold me accountable as well, and he's doing the same thing, is um, staying consistent. And just like if you watch any motivational video, any self, you read any self-help book or any self-help book or anything, the, the, they, they find different ways to say the same thing, which is consistency will always win. So I've just been finding different ways to stay consistent and hold myself accountable to be who I'm supposed to be, not what I think I am. Yeah. Well, I know that that's not Cap. I lived with you and Tyler Elsden. Uh, and I lived with you and Tyler Elsden when you were younger players. We're t- I mean, was that your first year where we lived at the Yards? That's year two. Year two. Yeah, yeah, year okay, two. Okay, either way, young players. Um, I'd say, you know, I was thinking about this on the drive up here, so I want to share this. The dynamic of our house, me, Doc, PJ Mustafer, Will Knutson, Tyler Elsden, when we first started – I would uh, tell me if you would disagree. The vibes were really high. Everybody clicked immediately. We were yeah. all doing the same thing, which is playing Penn State football. Yes. So the consistency, the discipline, we were all living the same life. Yes. The second half of the year, okay, <laughs> the transition from fall to winter, me and Will both retired from football. So we were done playing. We were just students at that point in time. So we started chilling. Like when I say chilling, I mean seven hour Malcolm in the middle marathons mm-hmm. on an average Tuesday. We weren't doing anything at all. And Nick Dawkins, and Tyler Elsden would come back home from football and start yelling. It was like living with David Goggins. It was a problem every time that we were on the couch. They started giving us motivational quotes and life advice, although they were only 18 years old themselves. It was unbelievable. So I'm glad that you and Elsden are still disciplined. You're still consistent. And I'm going to ask you, what is it this offseason specifically that you want to be more consistent about going into your fifth year? Yeah, um, firstly, going back to what you just said, you guys, I've never seen, like, chilling to that level before. You you literally, yeah. you, you know, you are what you do. You are, uh-huh. you know, you turn into a crumb on the couch. Yeah, It was ridiculous. But. Well, I'll tell you this, and tell me if you disagree. If you want to know how to do nothing for an entire day over and over again and still make it fun, still make it entertaining, you got to call Will Knutson. Will Knutson mm-hmm. specialized in college in doing absolutely nothing and being entertaining the whole time. It's an art. I mean, how can you sit around and do nothing all day and be content with your day? <laughs> <laughs> we did it for three months. <laughs> and, and, and then dragged you into it, and then you started liking it too. Yep, but yep. Going back, so to, like, to answer your question, um, my whole focus really, um, and it, it's two, two major things. For me, leadership is one of the biggest aspects. Um, I've always felt like I've been a leader um, in terms of the culture and just connector of people within our locker room and within our team for a while. But now as, um, you know, transitioning into like a a playing starting for Penn State, um, you become more of a face of a program. And uh, now I really am an old head. I mean, I'm still 21 years old, but I'm a fifth-year senior. And young guys are going to be naturally, you're looking to older guys to see what to do. And now um, there's no more slip-ups, no mess-ups, no um, anything else other than repeatedly doing the right thing and um, showing them how to, how to work and how to do what I'm supposed to do. So leadership is a massive thing that I'm focusing on right now, and that's communicating and connecting with new guys that are coming in, new freshmen, um, new transfers and stuff like that. And then the second thing is flexibility. To play offensive line, it's not just being strong and bench pressing 850 pounds or squatting a million pounds because Coach Earls has, you know, the fear of God instilled in you. But it really comes down to can you play in a bend? And Coach Leonard, Coach Frank Leonard, and Coach Troutwine always preach, you know, you have to play low. And playing low isn't just putting your head down. Playing low is having the ability to get low flexibility. You have ankle, hip flexibility and use your natural leverage, be the low man. Low man wins, of course. Um, but use that consistently to, um, you know, to take advantage of your uh, opponents. And it's easier said than done for like a 315 pound guy. Yeah. But like things like yoga, things like stretching before, like every lift and, and run is something that I wasn't doing before. That like now that I'm, I was doing it spotty, but like now consistently doing it, like doing it for weeks and two weeks on end, I'm seeing real change. So, yeah. And I mean, you, you, Nailed it right on the head. Like, if you're not consistent about doing those types of things, especially with something like flexibility, you cannot build anything worthwhile without the investment over time. That's what consistency is. It's doing it when you don't feel like it. Uh, You bring up a good point, too, with the young guys. I play. I mean, just being a fifth-year guy doesn't necessarily equal, hey, I'm a leader on this team. Mm -hmm. The reality is if you're a fifth-year guy who is talking one way but then living another – 
the young guys aren't going to respect you. They're old enough to be able to naturally process information. Um, and that's why, you know, when you came in and I was your leader day okay. in and day out, yeah. I made sure to go about my business a certain type of way. So you always had that standard and expectation to look to and aspire towards. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with, to be honest, I completely agree with you because um, I knew that I had to take better care of my body. I didn't want to turn out like that, and I, I wanted to play. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted, <laughs> no, you, genuinely, though, I actually really do. I look up to you, like, heavily. I'm not even, like, I'm not even going to make a joke about this because you are one of the best connector of human beings that I've ever seen. I've never seen anyone essentially pinned on every angle and somehow managed to get out of that situation through <laughs> pure wit and, and comedy, and that's something that I was absolutely lacking as a 17-year-old. Well, that I, I really learned that. from you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. But um, I will say, in order to have mastered that, um, you had to mess up a lot of times. No and, doubt. Um, put yourself in those situations a lot of times. No doubt. Um, because of your consistent BSing. And uh, that's how you mastered it. You became a master BSer. And yeah. I respect that. Well, listen, let's, let's get into that. <laughs> because, you know what, although it's funny... There is some truth to it. I mean, I go back to my high school days. Um, first of all, I'm not a, I'm not the smartest kid in the room. I'm not a dumb kid either. Like no, I never. I, I was. I had a great education growing up. Um, I was in Kuma. I'm playing piano. I'm playing chess. Like I, my mom invested a lot into me to make sure that I was prepared to do well in school. And then as soon as I was done being homeschooled and went to high school, I'm like the worst student in the state of Ohio. <laughs> I had a one six GPA going into my senior year. That's not like mm-hmm. fabrication. That's not an illusion. I had a one point six. GPA in high school. Um, so yeah, I was BSing, yeah. uh, not taking things seriously. And I think to an extent, when you're a young person, when you kind of realize mm-hmm. that you have an ability to get by or to finesse and to continue to move through, you think that you're cheating the system, that you're winning because you're putting in less effort. But as you get older, the realization comes <laughs> in that you are literally only cheating yourself. When you turn into an adult, when you're yeah. playing college football, when you're trying to do other things in life, nobody's going to care if you don't invest <laughs> in yourself. You're only costing yourself money and opportunity. Uh, and that's something that you, you learn through mistakes. Yeah. Um, my first semester at Penn State, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I went and put a 1.9 GPA on the board. Uh, my mom doesn't know that. She watches the show, so we'll see how Shout that goes. Shout out, Carrie. Um, I had a 1.9 GPA, and Coach Franklin called me up. We're doing the end-of-year reviews, as we always do. Uh, we're going through athletically, where I can get better, blah, blah, blah. That's going well. We get to the academic page. <laughs> he reads out loud, 1.9 GPA, and he says, Aeneas, Right now, you're not an A-plus football player, and you're certainly not an A-plus student. And at some point, you're going to have to decide what it is that you bring to the team in terms of value because you can't be failing at both. And I said, Coach, that's understandable. Um, and that's where we started turning the page and taking life a little bit more seriously. That's, um, that's when you heard that. You said, what do I contribute? And you said, comedy. <laughs> That's what I'm like. I bring camaraderie to the table, Coach. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, real quick, I want to revisit this. We'll talk about a whole slew of things on this episode. We're going to get into NIL. We're going to talk about the transfers that Penn State has brought in and all kinds of things. But back to the yards, our place of residence in 2021. I thought of the story, and we mm-hmm. have to share it. Okay. So, again, by the end of our stay together, we had some built-in tension in the house, <laughs> just with the difference in lifestyles. That was what it was. Obviously, we're all still friends today. Life goes on. But Nick Dawkins had just went to Giant this morning, uh, the story that I'm telling you about. He went and got an orange juice from Giant. Oh my he got God. a big, giant <laughs> orange juice. It, was, it looked beautiful. Tropicana, I believe. Oh, you remember? I re- oh, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he goes to class. He goes to workouts, goes about his day. And he gets back. Uh, I'm cleaning the bathroom. I think Will Knutza was, like, hanging up the curtain again because it kept coming down. And all of a sudden... We hear Nick in the in the kitchen scream bloody murder, like ah, like scream, like he's pissed. Okay, now we didn't know what was going on. We come out to the couch, and Nick Dawkins. When I tell you he turned into an agent off a of Law and Order SVU and was investigating who drank his orange juice. Well, it was about halfway gone, if you recall. Uh, it seems like you recall really well, actually. <laughs> and you know what's really interesting about it is. It was already on the table and it was still cold, which means that if you had brought it out, that means it hadn't been out for very long. That meant it had been recently drinking. Well, let me let me say this, okay? Nick interrogated us. I'm talking about for an hour. Like it got so intense that him and PJ Mustafer were about to throw hands in the middle of the living room over this orange juice. And I want to say, 
as, you know, I did seem like the immediate culprit. It seemed like everybody was trying to point the finger back at me over that orange juice. I don't even like orange juice. And whoever did drink that orange juice, I think two years later, it's time to come out and take some ownership. It was you. I'll be honest. Like, and this is what I'll say. So the, a little more context. Me and PJ Mustafer and Tyler Elson had just came back from dinner. So we were just hanging out together. And it was just me and Will. And then those two were, were easily the culprits, like easily. <laughs> but as you know, when you're angry, you tend to make emotional decisions rather than logical. And we're sitting there in essentially rotunda form. They're all in a, like sitting like around like in like a, a U shape, and I'm in the middle. And have you ever looked at somebody and known they were lying to you? Known that they were dead wrong, <laughs> and they look you square in your eye, right in your jaw, and lie again. That might drive a man to a point of no return. So I looked at Nias Hawkins square in his jaw like this. I said, "Did you touch or drink my orange juice?" And what did you say? I said, "No." Nah, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. I just told you I don't even like orange juice. I don't like orange juice. Okay. So he's he's. Essentially, claim no, never. I would never do that, Nick. I'm not that guy. I don't like orange juice. I'm allergic <laughs> to orange. I had a bad run-in with them in 2014. I don't like them. All right. I turned to Will Knutson. What's going on? He's like, he's like, nah, man, I'll, I'll tell you later. You'll tell me later. So this turned into a private conversation. He pulled me aside and said, hey, I don't, I'm not a snitch, but Anish drank it. That's crazy. I, said, okay, well, that See, is, I didn't even know that, that, that part of the snitch. story. That is, that is the definition of a snitch, number one. And that is also the definition of a liar because Will Knutson drank that damn orange juice. So I'm glad we can get to the bottom of this because I wasn't going to snitch. Now that I know the Will is, we'll do that on camera. But you know, like, small things, when you have a bunch of small problems, like, it's always take, it always takes one, like, turn into, like, the real big problems yeah. turn into, like, small problems that get addressed. So, like, like you said, it was like, we were all living different lifestyles. You, were, yeah. you guys really transitioned into becoming, like, going into the real like workforce yep. and, be, and becoming, I mean, I don't know what you do now, but, but like whatever you do now. <laughs> and, and Will was going into the workforce and yep. you were doing what you do. And me and, and Tyler and PJ were still coming back. And like, it was just like, we were split and that revealed itself. But I'm glad we, we got it back. Yeah, you we, guys are still liars and it's ridiculous. You lied about <laughs> a $4 and 37 cent orange juice that I got <laughs> from Giant at 9.37 a.m. on a Wednesday, which wow. is ridiculous. But you know, do what you do. Listen up. Are you paying too much for health insurance? Are you tired of reading these long, extensive policies the health insurance companies put out? Meet Patrick Mowdy of Mowdy Health. He's a Penn State letterman. Patrick leverages years of experience to offer custom insurance solutions. Those solutions help you develop a coverage game plan to cover the safety and well-being of you and your family. Maudi Health, one broker, endless solutions. Let's uh, let's go ahead and quickly transition okay, from that topic. Uh, no, it's okay. I, I want to talk about, obviously, Penn State fans are excited. I'm excited. Doing all kinds of work in the transfer portal. I'll talk about two guys specifically on offense uh-huh. that people are excited about. Obviously, Julian Fleming, the PA kid, coming back home. Uh, and then Nolan Rucci, the Wisconsin kid, who I don't personally know. But I remember he was, he was a recruit and was constantly at Penn State. I know his dad played here. So two guys that Penn State fans are excited about. You have him in the building. Building now, you guys are heading into the the more meat uh, of the off season with winter workouts, um, right. and I want to know with those two guys, what have you seen? Uh, what's that relationship been like? How have you seen them transition into Penn State? Yeah, I think the first person I can speak on easily is Nolan. I mean, he's because he's in our room. He's an offensive lineman, and um, you know that's one thing I always appreciate about Coach Trawine is he takes time to really look at guys and their personalities and see if they really match in a room. Um, guys take visits. He asks us, you know, like leaders in the room, you know, do you think he'll fit in? What kind of guy do you think he is? Do you think, you know, he'll be able to play here and such like that? He takes our um, thoughts and criticisms into account. And I think Nolan's a perfect fit for us. Um, he works his dang tail off. Um, he's always in the building already, which is a good sign. Um, guys almost addicted to being in Lash, like living there like it's their second home. And uh, he work again, like he works his tail off and he's a great guy. Um, re- I mean, I knew he was a tall guy, but he's he's massive, man. He's a he's a real huge guy, long arms, long legs. So um, I'm excited to see um, him use like his his extremities and use his length against uh, DNs in the past game and such. And he actually can bend really well too. Like he has real good bend, especially in his hip, good hip mobility. So that's something you usually don't find in those 
tall guys and even like you short guys like you had bad hip mobility um so like it's it's, it's crazy first of all it's like doing a show with mel kuyper the breakdown you just gave on nolan rucci uh and his hip mobility and, and different strengths that he has physically is very impressive now we got to talk about the backhandedness of your 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 second comment yeah. there i'm a short guy with poor hip mobility okay so and then julian fleming i mean he's really athletic <laughs> he came in um he real built real well he, he's built like a veteran and uh you good? No, I'm good, man. Please. <laughs> he's, he's, he, I mean, he's built like a veteran. He he maneuvers around uh, Lash and like our locker room, you know, as if he's been there before. Obviously, you know, he's going in his fifth year too. But um, a strong sense of maturity from him. He moves. He's real fluid. Um, we snap to the quarterbacks. I said we snap to the quarterbacks when they throw it to the receivers and they get routes on air. So I'm able to see some like nice catches and see guys run their routes. And I mean, I'm no offensive coordinator or pass game coordinator by any sense of the imagination. But I've been around college athletes enough now to know what a fluid athlete looks like and yeah um yeah he, he moves real well and his real real strong hands i'm not talking about good hands like he catches the ball strong hands are when you absorb the ball in and he's great um strong hands so that's cool to see it's good to see it's good to see like it's good to see one pennsylvania guys coming back to penn state who were once highly touted i mean still i mean good great fits for us but just great people that will make our program better it's great to see that we're taking our time being patient and, and getting Penn State guys in the portal. Yeah, that's important just for the sake of the culture, the locker room, you know, the the attitude and the focus uh, of where you guys want to go. It's important to have leaders and older guys who get it and yeah. are going to add to the culture and not take away from it. I think what you said about Coach Troutwine is interesting, too, where he's going to go and he visits with the leaders in the room to see if it makes sense and see if it's a good fit because that's important, just as important mm-hmm. as finding guys who are talented and can go win you games. you got to find guys who are going to uplift the whole team, uh, rising tides, raise all ships, as they say, right? Okay, I like that quote. Man. I appreciate that, yeah. man. Um, so it's good to see them doing well. Let's, let's talk a little college football news. Let's talk about things going around, going on around the country. First of all, the the big elephant in the room that we still got to talk about: Nick Saban, the great, Man. the mighty Nick Saban. In my book, the yeah. greatest football coach. Yeah, I don't NFL, college, the greatest coach of all time in my book. Retiring from the game. Initial thoughts after that move. And I I think the one thing that can be said about Nick Saban is he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. I absolutely agree with you. But more people that once he retired are coming out and speaking so highly of his character. Yeah. And that says a lot about who he is. And um, most of his, his coaching stories have nothing to do with actually making like a great call in a game or a halftime speech. It's about giving people opportunities and having different perspectives that are, you know, wise beyond um, our earthly years. And I think that's a testament to, you know, his, why his success and who he is, is um, the person he was. And um, I mean, speaking of head coaches, I had to hear your thoughts on this. Jim Harbaugh taking the NFL job. Yeah. Yeah, well, before I get to that, I'm going to tell you a Nick Saban story. So in high school, in high school, there was a point in time where I had coaches coming in and out. We were talking. You know how it is when you're a recruit coming out who would come in and visit and you'd have conversation with them. After a while, all the coaches kind of seemed the same. It was kind Mm -hmm. of monotonous. Like, hey, it's just typical conversation. But I got word the day before it happened that Nick Saban was coming to watch us lift after school Mm -hmm. uh, and he was coming to see me. So I was like, Juiced up. I, I, I've been around a lot of big time athletes, been around a lot of big time coaches, but something about Nick Saban walking in the weight room yeah. in that baby blue suit, his red tie, the whole room goes quiet because they see Nick Saban walk in. He had a different presence about him. I think yeah. when you talk about greatness, regardless of, of field or avenue, Nick Saban had that aura, and a lot of great, great competitors and great leaders or whoever it may be kind of have that, uh, and he definitely was one of those guys. So salute to Nick Saban. Uh, congrats on the retirement, the greatest of all time. And to your point, Jim Harbaugh leaving for the NFL, um, I think it's timely. I think it makes okay. sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they win the national championship. Obviously, they faced a ton of scrutiny all year mm-hmm. for uh, for the cheating that came uh, uncovered. But I think it makes sense for him to go to the NFL. I think he ultimately wanted to end up back there mm-hmm. uh, no matter what. Uh, I know he wants to go win a Super Bowl, uh, obviously losing to his brother back in 2012, I think that was. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good fit. I, I think you can say what you want about the guy, uh, but he can coach football. And he's won at the NFL level. He's won at the college level. He really is won everywhere he's gone. Um, so I'm happy to have Jim Harbaugh out of the Big Ten. Yeah. But, yeah, in the NFL, excited to see what he does there. I think it'll be a good <laughs> fit with the Chargers. I do, too. Um, I, again, like, definitely timely, but I, I'll keep my, my thoughts to myself. On, okay. On everything. Nick is an active player, so he's not going to yeah, speak I'm on not, Jim Harbaugh. You know, yeah, but I, I have respect for I mean, 
it's not easy to win in the Big Ten a game. No. But to win, you know, the Big Ten championship and the national championship. Uh, that, that stuff doesn't happen on accident. No, it doesn't. By any stretch of the imagination. No, it doesn't. Um, it happens when you cheat. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll be done. I'm done. That was me, not Nick Dawkins. I said that. Go ahead. Hey, but real quick, moving back a little bit. Nick Saban came to your high school to watch you work out. What was the result of that? Like, what did you do? Yeah, so, okay, so Nick Saban comes to watch me work out. It was a power clean day in the weight room. Mm-hmm. This is when my knees still worked well. Uh-huh. Um, so I see Nick Saban walk in, and I'm like, okay. I got to throw this weight around. I got to throw it around fast. So yeah. I do a quick power clean set, not any type of crazy weight. Uh, and then my head coach in high school, John Rodenberg, comes over. He's like, hey, go speak to Coach Saban. He wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So my heart is about to beat <laughs> out of my chest. I'm yeah. a 16-year-old kid from Ohio, and Nick Saban is here to talk to me. Uh, so I go up to him, and he doesn't – the thing I liked about Saban that was different than other coaches when you get recruited who might blow smoke and be all hype and try to relate to these 16-year-olds to – Get him to come to their university. Saban didn't do any of that. So I walk up to Saban. He's like, how you doing, young man? I'm Nick Saban. Shakes my hand. He's like, listen, I like your film. Uh, I think you're a tremendous player, and I want you to come take a visit to the University of Alabama. He didn't say he was going to offer me. He didn't say any of that. But he said he liked my film, and he wanted me to come. So I go home from school. I'm like, Mom, we're visiting the Crimson Tide. We're going Uh down to Alabama. Uh, And she's like, well, why? You told me that you don't want to go that far from home. I'm like, Mom. (laughs) Alabama's about to offer me that. We're going to Alabama. (laughs) We're going to go have that experience. So I went. He actually was the only coach who looked me in my eyes and told me I was too small to play D-tackle at the Power 5 level. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the only coach. He offered me as a 3-4 end. His his vision was like a 3-4 run-stopping end. He didn't think I was big enough to be a good Mm D-tackle. He didn't think I was athletic enough to be Odafe Owe, Chop Robinson, pass rusher. So in hindsight, he may have been right. (laughs) He may have been right. But I appreciated, like, even the way he evaluated seemed like it was on a higher level than a lot of coaches around the country. He had a, a document with my size my measurables, what he saw on film. He had it highlighted up, and like he went through it in a very calculated, strategic way. Mm-hmm. And although I may not have agreed with everything he said, I could see the thought behind it and see where he was coming from. So that was definitely definitely a top cool experience I had as a football player. I think that's the biggest thing with, with recruiting is you want real feedback. Like yeah. You want coach to watch like a college coach to watch your tape and tell you what you want to, like what you can improve on, not necessarily that it's good. Yeah. Like what, what exactly do I need to improve on? What can make me better? I think guys want to hear that stuff. They want, I mean, guys that are going to end up being good or be coachable want to hear real analysis of their play. And you talk about Nick Saban. I didn't, I didn't have Nick Saban come to the Parkland high school to watch me, but my first um, ever like real recruitment encounter with a coach was coach Blazik, who I think is the Wisconsin offensive line coach. Now okay. he was at Rutgers at that point. Um, he had came in to he came in one day to watch me work out, but there was no team lift that day. He just said, "Yo, I'm coming to your school to watch. I'm coming to the school to watch you work out." Right. So now you're working out, right? So I was, yeah, I was probably gonna like just go home and play like Minecraft or Call of Duty or something and be with the boys and be hyped. But I was like, "Yeah, boys, yeah, rain check on that one. I gotta go. I gotta go get in. I gotta go get it in." So right. I had, my, I had uh, like a gym clothes in my locker that I was probably like. Probably dirty. Probably put those put those on. <laughs> like nasty. Just getting in there. And bad. I had to get that mindset, that gritty, yeah. grimy, blue collar, yeah. middle class Pennsylvania uh, right. mindset. Thank work. you for that clarification. Middle class PA. Continue. Yeah. yeah not, also, just sidebar. Not everybody can be from the hood. Okay. <laughs> Let's just claim that now. There's too many guys right. that I grew up with, uh-huh. and too many guys that I that I've met their parents. That have, that are not from those parts. Yep, it's actually well. Let's let's continue on that conversation because yeah. there I've had teammates at Penn State who you talk to them in the mm-hmm. locker room, you watch how they move day to day. They'll have you convinced that they are from the darkest of the darkest corners yeah. of America. <laughs> and then you meet their parents and you hear about their four hundred one ks and their gated and their communities, trust their trust funds, and it's like. Why are we trying so hard to build this yeah. narrative? Yes. You're not from there. You're not. And you're not adding any toughness, skills, right. or badges to your player archetype. Main culprit. Let's, well, let's list a culprit out. P.J. Mustafer. P.J. Mustafer. He claims Baltimore. He claims he's from Baltimore. You he's, are, 
Yeah, you lived in the gated communities of Owings Mills. Owings man. Mills. I want I want the viewers back home to go look at that. But if you talk to PJ Mustafer for 10 seconds, he may give you a spiel or a phrase or a couple <laughs> statements that indicate that he never knew when his next meal was going to come. Yeah. And that's just not him. So I'm not sure where this epidemic is coming from. It's got to stop. Yeah. Um, you never were a guy who did that. I was going to make a joke and say that that was you, but it wasn't you. No, I'm, um, from, I'm from the suburbs. I hate, like, you know, I mean... Everybody has tough times, but look, I'm from the suburbs. I never missed a meal. Janice Dawkins worked hard, okay? We were good. We were taken care of, all right? That's just the reality of the situation. No need to fake it. What were we talking about before that? But back to my my college workout. So, um, you know, I I put my beats on. I was in there, like, warming up. And at the time, like, I wasn't even allowed to be in the weight room. Like, we had, like, your coach always had to be in there while you were working out. So, there was, like, a free lift to, like, a bunch of, like, random, like, high school students who, like, missed a bus were, like, in there just running around, like, doing flips off of, the like, the pull-up bars and stuff. And, like, they're, like, like fighting in there. And, like, it's just me in there, like, power cleaning, like, by myself with no, like, no plan, just putting weight on and hoping it goes up with a horrible form. But it was gritty. Right. And he can't. And my high school coach ended up coming down um, to talk to, the, um, talk to Coach Blazik. And he was just watching me like this the whole time. I'm like looking out the corner of my eye, like put, putting weight on there. It shouldn't be on there. My coach is like, you've never done this before. Like you've never, <laughs> you can't do this weight. Why are you doing it? I'm pulling it up. I'm cleaning it. I'm, I'm pressing it over my head. I'm throwing it in the glass. <laughs> You're doing anything. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking people. I'm, uh, I'm flipping off walls. Like I'm, I'm doing whatever it takes to get that offer. And afterwards, coach, hey, come say what's up. Say how you doing. He said, hey, man, you work hard. Yeah. I like that, you know. We'll keep that in mind. I like how line. you do senseless things to, <laughs> to prove yourself in front of me. That's that's yeah. basically what he's saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you'll do you, anything. Yeah, I'm like, I'm in there like jumping. Like, there's no reason. Like, what workout is that? <laughs> that you power clean, get off the power clean, and do a do 360 a jump. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the truth. Recruiting yeah. is so much of smoke and mirrors. It's yes. a show. It's a performance. Mm-hmm. You're just doing things that really don't translate to you being a good football player, yeah. even a little bit. Yes. I mean, not even remotely. Um, yeah. Now, recruiting is a wild time, man. I just thought of this story, too, because I was watching the kid play. Uh, Josh Myers is the center for the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you remember, like, the Nike opening. I'm not sure if it's still a big deal. I would think it's still a pretty big deal. But, okay. like, all the top prospects from the region would meet at the Nike opening regionals for the chance to go yeah. compete yeah. in the finals in Eugene, Oregon. And it's like, it was like a big deal. I'm sure it probably still is. But Josh Myers and I showed up to the same camp. Josh was either a year or two older than me. Like, I'm still a sophomore at this point. I think he was going into his senior year, and everybody knew Josh Myers in the region. Like, he was a problem. He was always a really good uh, O-lineman. And I remember at this point, I'm like a four-star prospect, Mm -hmm. and I knew that all these writers and media members would be there who had the ability to influence my star rating. So me, 15 years old, I've never been beaten before. I think that I'm the guy. I'm lining it up with Josh Myers as many times as possible. So I line up the first two times. The first one I slip, they give Josh the win. The second time, Josh straight up, like, I tried to bull rush him. He took offense to it, and he put me, he turned it into a bull rush and put me on my back. I did like six or seven more reps against Josh Myers to try to fix that uh, image I had given these writers, Mm -hmm. and I lost every single rep no less than four days later. I went from a four star, like a 94, 95 down to an 88. So again, recruiting, mm-hmm. smoke and mirrors, who's yeah. the loudest and who has the most uh, tattoos and power clean abilities. That's that's the types of things that are getting about. It's ridiculous. It has nothing to it's, do with football. Yeah, never. But like, I guess the coach is also thinking like, if this guy's willing to they just kick this pedestrian in the stomach to show how bad he wants, <laughs> he wants to uh, <laughs> offer, like maybe we take a chance on no this doubt. guy. No and doubt. recruiting is so, I think even now with NIL, it's so different now because kids want different things. When we were getting recruited, we just wanted to know that, hey, maybe we'll play yeah. and we'll get a degree. Yep. I mean, some guys didn't care about the degree. Uh-huh. Can I play in the league? Can you help make it happen? Now with NIL, it's it's so interesting. Like I, I couldn't imagine being um, 15, 16 years old and making money demands to a yeah. grown man, asking for more money than he's making yeah. in order to play at an institution. And I haven't even – I like started like eight games in high school. Right. What do you think about the NIL that's going across the whole well, like, country it's right a, it's a different era, man. Mm-hmm. It's like you said. You know, what we expected as 16, 17-year-olds getting ready to go to college, it was completely different. These kids yeah. are making full-blown business decisions. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of spin off of this. Ohio State 
Ryan Day, there were reports this past week that they spent $13 million in NIL basically to assemble the Avengers, like to put together their team. They brought some guys back who would have been draft picks. Uh, the big one, uh, the Buka kid, the receiver, who probably would have been a first-rounder this year if he left, he comes back. You go land the number one safety in the portal. They get Will Howard, a Big 12 champ. They bring on Quinshawn Judkins, who Penn State fans just got the opportunity to know in the Peach Bowl. They build all the right, – right. <laughs> my bad, this is the truth. But they assemble the Avengers and they put $13 million up. Ryan Day the year before said that in order for them to compete for a national championship, this is X amount of dollars, $13 million that we're going to have to invest to build this. They lose to Michigan again this year for the third year in a row. Michigan goes and wins a national title. And what's Ohio State do? What's their collectives do? What, are their, what does their alumni base do? They pour all these funds into building a super team. And whether you hate it, whether you love it, whether you think NIL needs to be banished, adjusted, whatever, wherever you're at on the scale, the reality of college football right now is that those who invest the most, those who not only are going to say they want to win a national championship but put their money where their mouth is, are going to be the teams who are able to go compete for it. So, you know, I say that to say, you know, obviously Penn State's done a really good job in the portal for a few years now, um, but it's only continuing to get more aggressive. And people are going to build these super teams in the portal. It's free agency now. So my question is to the Penn State community, which I'm a part of, you know, at what point are you going to get tired of being really good and want to make that transition to elite? And how many dollars are you going to need to put in to go make that happen? It's a question. It's a conversation. I'm not saying that what Ohio State and Ryan Day did is the right way, but it is the reality of college football right now. And it's an interesting point. These kids are coming out of high school with these expectations of, hey, how much money are you going to make me in year one? How much money can you make me over four years? It's not just the NFL. It's not just the degree. It's become a business. It's interesting when, when you look at like our perspective of how things are changing, too, in terms of NIL. Like, you see other schools, like Ohio State spent $13 million in a week to get these guys. I don't know how, like, they, like where do you even get that money from? Like, how are you obtaining those funds um, through their collectives like that? I don't know, like, how we could, I don't think we could, like pony that up, like, and I don't. I'm not saying that blame is on one single person. It never is. It's on, on a spread of different things. But like, I just find it sometimes hard to believe that we have the largest living alumni network, and right. we don't have the biggest endowment in terms of NIL. And the reason I say that is because we we sometimes have the loud the lo- like the the loudest boos <laughs> than than cheers at Penn State when we lose a game. It's always. Well, the yeah. reason we lost is because of this and because of that. But you're just watching from the TV or you're just watching a play-by-play on Twitter from right. Audrey Snyder. You don't understand. Shout out Audrey Snyder. Yeah, shout, out to, shout out to you. And shout out to Mike Foreman, too. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Foreman. I'm Donnie, all them cats, man. Um, better pictures of me on there, by the way. I don't like those, man. Yeah, his dog is need some wall stuff, some art. So better pics out of y'all. Um, but anyway, uh, you need to pay players now. If you want difference makers – you want playmakers out of the portal, out of high school. It's not just selling them, this is Penn State. This is a degree you can get. Here's what we can get you to the NFL. Here's a great culture. That's not how it works anymore. It's, it's not, and it won't, it, that's not going to change. It's never going to change at this point. And you can, you can make the argument, oh, well, if they think like that, then we don't want them. Wrong. Wrong. You want to win a national championship? You want to win a big Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. They do. They, you, they want to go win. If we took a poll right now of mm-hmm. every Penn State fan and we said, what do you want from Penn State football yeah. in 2024? The answer is going to be Big Ten Championship. The answer is going to be National Championship or yes. at least a playoff appearance. That's going to be nearly, uh, that's going to be nearly 100%. Yes. If you sent a survey out to the same people and asked if they believed whether or not it was the right or wrong thing to go pay players to bring them to Penn State or X, Y, Z, I guarantee you that number is going to cut in half minimally. Exactly. The buy-in is in there. You, you mentioned that the alumni network is the largest. Mm-hmm. It is one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest. Somebody fact-check me. It, it would make sense on the surface that Penn State is super-duper far ahead in NIL, and they have all kinds of revenue and funds to pour into this thing. It doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case. And what I was going to say was that college football isn't just now becoming a business. When it was just about the large TV deals, when it was about coaches' contracts, there was a much smaller amount of people complaining about the nature of college football and the business. They still existed, but it has only gotten stronger now that we're talking about paying college athletes. 
Yes. College football has been a multi-billion dollar business before we started paying the athletes. So don't act brand new now and act surprised that college football has become this way. If you paid attention over the last 10 years, you could have seen this coming. The next thing I'll say, and I'll, I'll move off of this topic I'm preaching right now. My daddy's a preacher. It's in me. I can't help it. I got but comments too. Go let's ahead, talk. We got to talk about the budget that we're pouring into retaining coaches. I would, I would encourage the fans who maybe don't know to go investigate what Penn State's budget versus Alabama versus an Ohio State versus Michigan when it comes to retaining uh, coordinators and position coaches and people that you want on the staff to build out culture and to build a system that allows you to go win long term. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we've had coordinators leave. We're replacing three this year. And I'm not sure what the reasons for leaving are, but you want to eliminate as much of that as possible. You want to keep guys in there. Uh, a guy like Manny Diaz, you're telling me you don't want that guy back continuing to build on that culture and that system that he has in place? There's real value in that. And all of those things, all of the dollars that get poured into this have to be evaluated in terms of how they stack up against the elite across the country. If you really mean what you want to say, and that's Penn State football going to win a national championships and Big Ten titles. And I'm not saying that I need everybody to fork up, every Penn State alumni to fork up their hard-earned money. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying give us money and we win or anything like that. All I'm saying is if you had serious complaints about us, us and our process and how we win and, and such like that, put your money where your mouth is because that is a game changer is NIL. NIL is a game changer. Do you want difference makers? Do you want guys that can change the game into play? He costs money. Not a little bit either. So if you want those guys, oh, why didn't they get them? Why didn't they get them? Put your money where your mouth is. Now, people who just watch, the casual fan, whatever, do what you do. Keep watching, tuning in. See Nick Dogg in 53 at center. You know what I mean? Do what you're, <laughs> do what you're doing. But if you have complaints and you voice your complaints and you write death threats to Tyler Elson on Twitter, push your money where your mouth is. Because you couldn't do it. But on to your next point, I'm sorry. No, I, yeah, I think it's a valid point. And again, we can talk about NIL and just kind of how it's changed over time. Um, but ultimately, the, the reality of the situation is at this point, where we're at today and where we're going to continue to head in the future, is that if you want to go get Jimmy and Joe, who run a 4-2, and mm. they score 60-yard touchdowns, and they make the offense more explosive, and blah, 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 you got to pay to play. When you're watching mm. the Philadelphia Eagles play, and they go get A.J. Brown, it's not a question what his contract looks like, because we understand what A.J. Brown brings in terms of value to the team. College football is the same thing in 2024. Yes. That's the reality of the situation. And you see the argument, well, we're not paying A.J. Brown. The Eagles are. Well, that's the difference between college and pros. That's why it's not, this isn't pro football. You want to feel so in part of this process, and that's what makes college so special, is that the fans and the alumni feel so connected to the university and connected to the team. Here's your job. Here's something you can do to contribute to the success of the team yeah. directly, which, you know, take it for what you want it to be. I mean, I, I have my thoughts about certain things and how they're done and what I'll do when I'm done um, playing at Penn State and everything like that. But, you know, I'm not here to tell you how to spend your money. All I'm saying is if you're going to open your mouth, towards my guys and my team and our culture, then be prepared to do something about it too. Because right. when we when we get called to action to do something, all we're going to do is put our head down and work harder. That's all we're going to do. Invest more time into the process. Invest more time into our bodies. We go ahead and fix it. Or we do everything in our power to fix it. But if you're going to complain and sit there and lay down on the couch and not do anything about it, you might as well just keep your mouth shut. That's just my personal opinion on it though. And I'm not trying to call out any, you know, Joe Schmo from over here and over there. But that's just the reality of the situation is if you're not going to do anything about it, just shut up. Yeah. And I think the bottom line here is we've been yelling. We've been yelling. Yeah, we have been. I'm not mad at the Penn State fans. I'm not mad Still at the Penn you. State administration. It's just a conversation that needs to be had because this is the circumstance that we're under. And everybody wants to go win from Coach Franklin to the players to the fans, to whoever it may be. Everybody wants to see Penn State win. Well, hey, bingo, 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 here is the obvious way to go do it and to go do it quickly. So if you want to do it, great. Let's see the results of that. And if not, then it is what it is. Um, yeah, we love Nitty Nation. We still love Yeah, that's no, all love. love. It's just a combo. You it's see just, me at State College, you, the Waffle Shop, say what's up. Yeah. I'm still here. This is, I mean? this, is, this is the lion's den, man. In the lion's den, things get a little bit aggressive, and we have <laughs> these conversations, and we're transparent. Um, so this is what we do. Um, I, I want to transition here a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I talked to Devon and Hakeem about it. 
Uh, I want to talk to you because, again, you're a leader uh, on the team, not just with the offensive line, with the entire team. People look to you and they're paying attention to you. With winter workouts coming, talk to the fans about what the standard, what the expectations are, not only with the work, but with the way it's so crucial to a team gelling together, going through some of that mutual adversity, uh, pushing through that, just paint a picture as to what these next couple months are really going to entail for the team. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, we talk a lot about like our winter workout horror stories and stuff like that on here if you're a consistent viewer. Um, but the reality of this time is this is when the team gets the closest, um, just like uh, your family. Um, your family is together because you've gone through tough times together. And these are exactly what these are. These are simulated tough times. You are waking up at the crack of dawn. Like a rooster isn't eating up yet, and you're up there in your car driving. There's still ice, snow on your windshield. You're too lazy to get the whole windshield, so you just made a small hole in the driver's side, and you're driving the last football facility. You got guys walking in there in PJs. Guys are in robes. Some guys in like a suits for some reason because you had to go to like an NBA class or something like that. Yep. And it's everyone is coming from different areas and going somewhere different afterwards. But you're coming together at this time when it's so tough. You have one of the hardest workouts ahead of you. You know it's going to be tough. Everybody knows it's tough. Some guys are panicking. Some guys are trying to put on a front. Some guys are in fear. Some guys are ready. Some guys are sick like the net, like deny who's ready, who, who wants it. He wants it and everything like that. But um, you gel when you see your brothers going to war, not just for themselves, but also for you. And you see that when we add competition at the end, when we have Tyra Pool seeing a guy fight, you know, he's barely any life left in his body. He's about to pass out, but he's fighting for the offense or he's fighting for the defense, competing against each other. And then after that, you do conditioning and you see guys pushing themselves to be better so that they can be at the best of them. They be at the best performance for themselves so they can be the best for the team. And that's when guys just grow natural, natural respect for each other. And it goes both ways because if you're in there just loafing around, laying around, that's where you lose respect. That's yep. when guys are going to call you out and see if you're really about it. Because yep. if you're not, then you can just get gone. You know what they say? If you can't get right, you get left. No and doubt that's what happens. It. And that's what winter workouts is. And then you go into spring ball. Spring ball, develop, develop, develop. Because at the end of spring ball, the blue and white game, and we talk about it all the time, what is the blue and white game? Practice. It's literally just a practice that you guys can attend and take pictures and tailgate and get drunk and yell Drew Aller out loud and public <laughs> and stuff like that. But, uh, it's but so for simplified. Us, that is kind of what it is. But Go it's ahead, just though. practice for us. It's just a normal practice, and that's, what, that's, and that's just another day in our lives. Is what we, we, would, we would be doing that without you, which we did in 2020, and we'll do it with you. So in that time, all you can focus on is yourself because you're playing against Penn State every week. You're not playing against Iowa. You're not playing against Maryland. You're not playing against Ohio State. You're not getting ready for West Virginia. You're playing against yourself and refining technique, focusing, reallocating what you need to work on, focusing on leadership, focusing on the guys next to you. What does the unit need to do better? What does the offense need to do better? What um, maybe what pass rush moves is Devon Ellie's working on you that's been successful for him that he can take to the next uh, to, to our game, uh, West Virginia and stuff like that. Um, so it's really just consistent focus on the internal building of our program. And that's why it's so important because we get so close because we're only focusing on ourselves. That was really well put. Thank that you. was really well put. No, I agree. And there's something special about going through that adversity together. Winter workouts, you know, we joke about it, like you said, how mm -hmm. difficult they are and the best of times or the worst of times. Now that I'm done playing, ironically, when I think about my favorite times at Penn State football and like the times that I'll remember when I'm 85, when I'm 90, a lot of them are winter workouts. Mm -hmm. Like to go through so much pain, like to the point where by the end of the workout, you literally are not able to, you're, you're, you can't even feel how tired you are. You go completely numb. And then, surprise, you're getting thrown into tire pool against 320 pound Nick Dawkins. And you got to figure it out. Like the, the, to go through that adversity with your brothers, with your teammates, your friends, to earn the respect of your peers the hard way, there's something about it that is really gratifying and you can't really recreate it in a lot of different areas of life. There's not much that's that intense. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a winter workout is an hour, 30 minutes of nothing but action. <laughs> like yes. it's all action. Um, and it's fun. Like, and I'll tell, I'll, I'll speak transparently. Like winter workouts for me initially were tough because, you know, when you're in that one-on-one -on -one competition, 
there's nowhere to hide. And like the people I was competing with in tire pool, like, you know, the Juice Scruggs of the world, the, the PJ Musters, like the people I had to battle with, like these are real deal NFL linemen. And I'm talking about for two, three years, I didn't get any wins in those competition periods. And that was tough. So at the end of my career to finally get some of those wins and then to have like a flooding of my teammates, my guys who have seen me go through that adversity, all celebrating with me, like running out of the camera, 30 deep, like cheering, laughing. Like, I'll remember that forever. Yes. You go through that adversity, you believe that you can do anything when you're done. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of the special part of college football and Penn State. Um, that's, that's something I'll always remember. That's why Penn State guys stick in the league so long, man, because yep. you have those experiences and you carry your, your brother's keeper. And, but more importantly, you just work, you just grind, and you experience the lows of the lows and the highs of the highs and everything. You know what it takes to stick around, man. We're yep. like cockroaches, man. You can't yeah. kill us. For Guys real. just stick around in the league. For real, man. You look on a random roster and find a Penn State guy. Like he played at Penn State. And he's been <laughs> on the he's been on the team for like nine years randomly in some sort of yeah. special teams capacity or something yeah. like that. Guys just stick around. It's crazy. They really. do, man. It, well, the most competitive. We always talk about it. That's the thing I loved about Penn State football. Like it is competition year round, every day. You don't have to get up. And wonder whether or not it's going to be your turn to compete. You can assume that more times than not, you're going to get called out and it's going to be your time to go show who you are. Um, and again, it just gives you this innate ability when life comes afterwards to where it's like, you can't beat me. Like, yeah. I'm going to show up. If nothing else, there are going to be people that are more talented than me, talented than me, people that are smarter than me. But if we get on the treadmill, mm-hmm. the hypothetical treadmill, you're going to get off first. Or I'm going to die on the treadmill yeah. because I have taken myself there physically and mentally yes. so many times playing Penn State football. Yes. You know, and yes. that's that's definitely cool. You kind of come into school a boy, and then when you leave, you're a man. You've yes. seen it. You've gone through it. You've experienced that, and that's special for sure. Yes, it is. Do you have any other thoughts before we wrap this episode up? Any other topics you want to discuss? Nah, man, I, I think I've addressed it all. And I, I just to counter go back to what we were talking a little bit about before in terms of the NIL and the fans and stuff like that. Truthfully, we appreciate all the support that you guys have. Like, it's, it's amazing that we even have people that tune into this podcast to listen yeah. to us talk about our experiences because you care so much about the program. You care about us and what we feel. And we do not take that for granted. We appreciate you so much. Like, truthfully, like, I get goosebumps every single time I go into Beaver Stadium, every single time I get to, you know, see a fan. Special. That's not just a fan of me or anything like that, but a fan of Penn State. And, um, you know, that they support something that's bigger than themselves. That says so much about the Penn State community, about the 700,000 strong and everything like that. I truthfully appreciate that. But this is a platform where we are able to address the shortcomings of everything with ourselves, the team, and you. Because the reality is, when do we ever get to talk back? And you look at, you see it all the time. For example, on Twitter, people tweeting at our receivers and such like that. But you see the receivers backing each other up. And here fans come again, chastising them, saying all this stuff. But they're going to keep backing each other up, just like because you go through experiences like this. But they're just getting clowned on, and guys get clowned on, and guys get death threats. And we have guys that have to delete social media because they're getting caught out for a bad play that you don't even know it was bad. Like, they didn't even mess up. You don't know what the play was called, but you're still going to say something. So, like, this is a platform that we're able to address some of this and give you your criticism because you're going to give it to us regardless. Next year, start and center, bad snap happens or whatever, bad block or whatever. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what happened. You don't know what could what I experienced in that day. It's just a chance for us to say something back. And hear our perspective. You don't have to respect it. You don't have to like it. But you can listen because we're going to listen to you anyway. Yep. Hey, this is at the end of the day, like you said, this is family. And Mm -hmm. in this family, we're going to talk about it all. We're going to be open and transparent and honest. At the end of the day, we have the common goal, which is Penn State football back on top, where we all know they can be. They've been before, and we want to see them again. So that's the purpose of this discussion. We appreciate everybody who takes the time to listen to us. It is not something that we take lightly. We appreciate you all. Make sure you guys stay tuned to State Media for all future updates, more episodes of the Lions Den, uh, and some prominent guests on Penn State football. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you today coming on retro Hawk and Dog style, talking a little shop. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week with another fire episode of the Lions Den. If you want to see more Hawk and Dog, let us know in the comments. We read them. We do. We read the comments. Get the merch, too. Get the merch. I'm tired of coming to your houses. You keep making me cookies. I keep eating them. I'm tired. Stop trying to please me, all right? Just buy the merch, and I won't come. Thank you.
See you, everybody.